With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome to Indiana Week here on Off Tackle Empire, where we're going to build things up to where we're almost going to cover Indiana, but then we're not quite going to get it done. Damn it. Again. Look, we're just trying to stay on brand with Indiana football, all right? And look, reasons for some guarded optimism with Indiana, but there, I mean, that's kind of been the way it's been for most of the last decade. Um, and so, coming off of a 5-7 and seven season, where only two of those wins are in conference, um, this, was a, this was one of those years where Indiana and Purdue both had five wins going into the bucket game, Winner gets to play another game, gets to have the bucket, loser goes home and wallows in sadness. Although, given that both of them, I mean, Purdue at least had a good basketball season, so they had something to fall back on, but... Oof. Yeah. Why'd you have to go there? Twist that knife a little more. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going there because Michigan State was in it for Trace Jackson Davis until Indiana swiped him, and, you know, the head coach of Indiana basketball happens to be the brother of a certain guy who, as we know definitely follows all the rules, so there's no reason to think that that's suspicious at all. But anyway, um, there actually is reason to be optimistic for Indiana, looking at the recruiting profile better than they've been recently, which, does Tom Allen strike you as a good recruiter? No, not in the slightest. You talk about under the radar. Has Tom Allen ever done anything on the radar? No, he's like a submarine, in, in Indiana no less, which I guess isn't technically landlocked if you count that little coast of Lake Michigan, but... Uh, still not a place you associate with with stealthy technology. Uh, so, yeah, recruiting was eighth in the Big Ten this year, which is good for a top forty class nationally, number thirty nine actually. Um, and not with an over. It's not like they did a thing where they grabbed thirty guys and they get pushed up because of that twenty two commits, which is about a typical class size, uh, and some potential instant impact guys too. I mean, Samson James being a running back. May or may not have a big role right away because they still have Stevie Scott. Well, they got the luxury of redshirting a four-star running back, which at Indiana is yeah. just incredible. Well, I mean, or just, or just having a tandem of guys who are both, you know, top-shelf athletes, and they might have one of the better one-two punches in the in the conference. I don't know what James's style is, but if he's more of a, I mean, if he's more of a perimeter-oriented guy, I guess Scott's pretty well balanced too, isn't he? But I mean, then recently, you had a commitment from the. Uh, the top-rated recruit to ever commit to Indiana in uh, Rashawn Williams, the wide receiver out of Detroit. So, Tom Allen is making headway all across the Midwest. Which is a little interesting. And the other thing is, uh, they have a transfer... I don't know if he's... I have to imagine he's going to play defensive line, but I've seen him listed as both. Um, Iowa fans... Who I, I'm not sure why you'd be listening to this episode, but if you are, hey, we appreciate the clicks. Um, Iowa fans, I'm sure, will recognize the name Juan Harris. Do you know Juan Harris? Thump? I do not. Juan Harris, when he was a rec- and he's a transfer from a community college, so this was probably like three years ago now. Um, 
Juan Harris probably set the record for commitments and decommitments from Iowa football. I think it was either four or Is five he a times. No, he's a lineman. He's a big okay, lineman. He's okay. like 350. Big old dude. And he, he was like a four-star prospect out of high school. I don't remember if he was... He's either from Iowa or maybe from like northern Illinois somewhere. You know, the places where they get all their recruits. Um, but anyway, he, he was a well-regarded lineman. Like even despite being, you know, clearly needing to work on his body somewhat. I don't know if that's happened or not. But um, he committed and then decommitted to Iowa. I think at least four times. It might have been five. Like no kidding. Like if you want to talk about programs, you would not associate as. As putting up with that kind of, I'm sure the word fairness would be tomfoolery of a guy who's going to commit and then decommit and then do that three more times. And then I don't, I'm trying to remember if we ever actually ended up at Iowa. I don't know. I'd be curious to find out now. I guess probably should. Well, look, are are you saying that Indiana fans uh, might not be able to deal with a guy that likes to dangle the carrot in front of you and then yank it away? I mean, this is what they trained their whole lives for. It's true. He does fit. immune to this. He shit. fits this program to a T. Well, I mean, given that time has continued to wind, his eligibility is not going to be in such a situation where he's going to be able to change his mind that many more times. When Gunnar Keel was committed to Indiana, did he ever actually? He played there for a minute, didn't he? I don't think he did. I know that he played at Cincinnati. That was where he ended up yeah. after LSU, which I thought after he Notre Dame. Well, he. I don't think he ever went to Notre Dame. I thought he committed to Notre Dame and then. I thought he had enrolled at Indiana for a year. Maybe he just went straight to LSU. No, I think he... I thought he committed to Indiana, yeah, then yeah, flipped yeah. to Notre Dame, then ended up at LSU, then, never played, yes. then wound up at Cincinnati. Yes, that's that's right. And Dude, five-star quarterbacks do some weird shit. Yeah, well... I remember Mitch Mustaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it Arkansas by way of USC or vice versa? Yes. <laughs> Um, right so all of which again is to say that uh, look Indiana's got a reason for optimism notwithstanding some kind of lukewarm results so far and I know look the way last year went it probably feels like Groundhog's Day for Indiana fans because there were close games that they could have won there was you know the bowl game within grasp at the end of the season, and it slips through your fingers, and Purdue is, you know, Lucy pulling the football away is wearing black and old gold. Like, it gets old, and I get that. But there actually are signs that Tom Allen is really moving this thing in, in a better direction if you just look at the way the recruiting goes, because more often than not, how you recruit is going to track to where you end up on the field in a couple of years. Um, it's not to say that they don't have some things to work out, uh, they still have to determine what they're doing with this court. Apparently, the quarterback question is still kind of unresolved. Uh, Ramsey kind of feels like the guy they should go with, but they played Penix a bit last year, and they've got—I forget. The yeah, name. well, until you know, like they—they they got as much as they could out of the Penix until it fucked up the ligament, man, and couldn't get any lift. Um, Gosh, you know, he couldn't stand firm in the pocket once he fucked up the ligament. You, you said firm, and for a second I only heard fur, and I was like, as long as we don't talk about sexual activities with Tony the Tiger again in this episode, we're going to get, we dude, the FCC is going to come for us at some point. Well, the FCC <laughs> won't let me be or let me be me, because, no, no, we just not go down that rabbit hole. That B rabbit hole. Yeah. Huh. Right. So anyway, let's look at Indiana's schedule. 
that's still so distressing. Um, <laughs> Indiana schedule? Manageable non-conference <laughs> schedule. So Ball State still Ball still, State is still, still at the rebelling. bottom still at the bottom of the MAC. Um, it's not that one year they had Nate Davis, so there wasn't that that quarterback's name, the big tall guy after Roethlisberger. You're yeah, thinking Miami of Ohio. Oh yeah, well, so definitely not Roethlisberger, but no. It, well, I'm, Ball State. I'm pretty sure Nate Davis was Ball State, wasn't he? I think so, but Ball State had a period of time where they were actually fairly good for like a number of years because um, after Brady Hope. There was the Pete Limbo era where they had oh yeah. God, what was what was the receiver that ended up on the Saints? Um, I don't know. Um, uh, Wenning was the quarterback. Yeah, there you go. And then there was that receiver who. But I mean, they're they're a typical MAC team in that they they'll have occasional little periods of of quality. Oh, but Johannes Tyler is not the guy I was thinking of, but is totally a dude that's on their team. That's a great name. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Ball State should be a win. Um, Eastern Illinois, that's an FCS team. And granted, a better FCS team than most. You know, not that, really. No, you not should win. more. Well, all right. Eastern Illinois is not Have they fallen off? Under I can't say I Bob keep... Spoo and Dino Babers. I pay attention to Eastern Illinois because my school is, of course, always looking at up and down coaching <laughs> the Eastern Illinois head coach, yeah. <clears throat> uh, then in week three, they host Ohio State. And... Uh, that could be a problem. Last couple seasons, early season matchups with Ohio Willie State. Willie Sneed. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a guy. Um, early season matchups with Ohio State the last couple of seasons have taken some of the wind out of Indiana's sails. Brad Maynard went to Ball State. My goodness. Punter drafted in the third round. Anyway, that's, I'm going to close this tab. Yeah, get the... Fu- <laughs> uh, then they get... UConn at home, so this is our second Big Ten. How many Big Ten teams are playing UConn this year? Yeah, is this are we is this practice for drafting UConn in the Big Ten? Is that Delaney? Where are you at? You know, this seems to happen pretty often though, where like we're like in any given year, there's a lot of schools that schedule multiple Big Ten teams, and so before those teams play each other, which Illinois and Indiana don't play, but you have like a common opponent to judge against. Uh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. This is how we end up playing a road conference game in stores. That it's going to have it's I'm I'm afraid. I'm concerned. You know, I've actually got family in Connecticut. Don't you don't you start looking for a silver lining in this. This is no. No, this I'm is, I'm wondering if I can go to like the saddest road trip. It, no, I'm sorry. I can't, the only way I can go to the saddest I, road trip in Illinois football history is if I can go back in time to Ford Field in 2008. Oh, my God. But consider also, though, that I went to a game in Rutgers Stadium where all the toilets broke. <laughs> uh, before you start saying saddest road trip. So they then get the road trip to Michigan State before the bye. So they'll have two conference games before their first break, which is probably atypical, although we are playing the conference games earlier now. Um, and yeah, because apparently the TV gods deem this beneficial. And what what are we if not in service of ad revenue? What is this sport about if not that? Hail dollar. Um, yeah. So after the buy, they get Rutgers. They get Maryland on the road. Hail to the dollar, mighty hail to my tighty whities. I'm going to cut that part because it's kind of dumb. Then Nebraska and Northwestern 
before the next bye, and then finishing up with a tough stretch. Road games against Penn State and Purdue with a Michigan home date sandwiched right in the middle. So it feels like Indiana could make a bowl. It also feels like they could fall just short. Yeah, this, I mean, it, looking at this, I know we keep right. saying the same damn thing every damn year, but, but it's true a lot of the time. I mean, so look, they should sweep their non-conference. They really should. Ball State, Eastern Illinois, UConn, those should all be wins. Um, I think certainly Rutgers and Maryland will be achievable. Michigan State could be because they've been close a few times, and how I don't think even the best case scenario for Michigan State is going to have them, you know, beating anybody by thirty. I mean. That's that's a winnable game. So three definites, two two probables slash maybes. I mean, you could put Michigan State and probably Purdue in that same range. Nebraska could be a really important game for them. Uh, that's they've got home. some experience and they just can't afford to make any mistakes and give away game. Like they kind of gave away a shot to beat Minnesota. Yeah. Um. They just. I mean, and it cost them dearly. Right. Well, yeah. That ended up being. It's. The thing with Indiana is it never seems like they have margin for error. Yeah. Because even, even with better talent now, and hopefully going forward for them, it's not like they're ever going to have a talent advantage over Ohio State. Yeah, Indiana or Penn can State make or no mistakes and still lose three or four games a year. Yeah, yeah, well, they can make no mistakes and be expected to lose three or four yeah. games a year. So the games against other teams kind of in their weight class... In this and for this season, that to me would be Maryland, Nebraska, Northwestern, and I guess Purdue. Those four games are the basically going to determine the outcome of their season. I guess, you can throw Michigan State in there if you want. I still think that's a probable loss because it's on the road. Um, but look, you can, and this is not to say that they. I mean, they've been close, right? They've gotten so close against Ohio State and Michigan, but they just haven't quite been able to get there. And so expecting. I don't think you can pencil in wins over those two teams or over Penn State. I just don't think you can. I mean, it might happen. They could get one of those teams. and Penn State feels more vulnerable. Sure. Yeah. This year. But just by saying that, I'm probably speaking it out of existence. Yeah, you're probably, you just sent them to the playoff. Nicely done. Uh, they've still been recruiting head and shoulders above most of the rest of the conference other than Ohio State and Michigan, though. So despite, you know, new quarterback... Some turnover at other spots on the field. You can you can expect Penn State to still have the talent that it should add up for them more often than it doesn't. Um, so yeah, as far like I said, as far as Indiana goes, <coughs> on the field, they have a couple losses from the offensive line that they'll need to replace. But again, not not the type of guys where you're like, oh man, they're never ever going to be able to find another guy like that. So. The recruiting class should be able to contribute right away. Really strong Florida flavor to the recruiting now, class, too. Do they still have Koi Kronk? I think he's still their starting left because, I think he's boy, a, I just can't get enough of that name. Like, imagine him going to the NFL and playing on the other side of the line as J.R. Sweezy. You've got immediately, like, the dankest... Kronk and Sweezy, bro. <laughs> yeah. Koi Kronk and J.R. Sweezy hitting you up with another bomb track. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he's got one more season. Um, yeah, it, expectations for Indiana again. You gotta start pushing for consistent bowl games. I don't, but it doesn't feel like the kind of position where if they fall short, they're gonna fire Tom Allen. I don't. I think he's got plenty of leash there. I, I don't get much sense aside from the occasional you know post loss anger tweets from you know from people that we stay online. I don't get much sense of pressure or anger 
Probably because there's a lot of attention focused on the basketball program, if we're being honest. With them having a newer coach, a guy who is obviously a very high-profile recruiter, but whose first, season, whose first season or two hasn't really gone as they might have liked, it feels like there's just not as much attention in Indiana football. So if Tom Allen wants to fall short of expectations, I guess this is the year to do it. But there's no real reason to. I mean, you get Rutgers at home. That should help. You get a Maryland team that you should be able to beat. And look, it, the Purdue game last year was close, was it not? Am I thinking of a different year? Because I feel like I watch most of the bucket game every year, and they do all start to blend together. Did you, did you check the score on that? Check and see if that was a close game. Which one? The bucket game. Purdue and Indiana. Yeah, 28-21. With, but it was Indiana scoring 14 in the fourth quarter. That still makes it close. I mean, yeah. depending still on exactly how much time was left. So. The reason that she caught me <laughs> distracted is because I was looking up the... Um, if you're looking up... Tony the Tiger furry porn. I don't want to hear about it. One hundred percent. We're good. We're good friends, but I don't need to know. now. Now, Reddit, now what? Now what? Reddit. I what? Know, what? Produces we? some weird things, but I do really like their college football community, and mm. they produce some pretty good things. But one of my favorite things that comes out of there is the occasional team-specific copy pasta that you sometimes see pop up. Allow me to. To, to read to you the Indiana copypasta. I'm so tired. I'm tired of going into every Indiana-Ohio State game thread in the first three quarters and seeing the same goddamn thing. What is going on here? Can Indiana actually win it this time? Good team. Indiana's so spooky. This is the year they pull it out, just wait. Indiana might actually be good. Guess the fuckity fucking fuck what? No, they fucking don't. They don't got it. This is IU. There is no happiness here. We will not pull it out. We will leave it in there, and the next thing you know, you're 33 years old with six kids living in a single wide with a plywood bathroom door because you kicked it when you were drunk in Salem, Married to a semi-retired hooker from Martinsville and a beer belly the size of a keg of Keystone Light because your dad never talked to the old coitus interruptus. And don't bring your chaos gods bullshit up in here. Chaos isn't losing to Ohio fucking state 23 straight times and Michigan 22 straight times. Your chaos gods have forsaken you. Losing in heartbreaking and brand new fashion every time is your new god. You want to know what it's like being an IU football fan? It's like getting ready to have sex with a girl and she slips your dick out of your pants, starts to blow you, and then yanks the zipper up on your pants as hard as she can, and then says she got herpes from blowing Isaac Haas. It took our head coach dying of brain cancer to get a winning season. Don't tell me it'll get better. Don't tell me how to feel my feelings. I don't want to hear it. But overtime scary, boo, from Michigan. And I don't want to hear fucking a fucking thing from Kentucky. Fuck you, you broke your streak. I don't want to hear about how I just have to wait. I did my waiting. 24 years of it on State Road 37. <laughs> One day I'll die and the misery of being an IU fan will be over. I'll be walking to take my place in heaven. I'll get 27 yards from the pearly gates full of bliss and happiness. With all my suffering over, there will be sweet calming music. And then all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, I'll hear sweet, innocent Don Fisher sigh and say, Touchdown, Dwayne Haskins. The music stops. Dread fills my stomach. Everything turns dark. 
Just then a bright light shows up and Jesus appears. I feel the warmth again. Everything will be all right. He leans forward as if to tell me something wonderful and whispers, almost inaudibly, O-H. Then kicks me right in the dick and shoves me off the edge to fall into a silver and red room with my eyes taped open to watch this fucking game on repeat for the rest of eternity. Source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!